one wire shark. Man, it has been a long time since we have done one of these. It is the, I guess, uh, quarantine edition of the One More Round uh, podcast, or One Wire Shark podcast, as we were jokingly calling it, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Casey Justler here, Damien St. Pierre uh, out in Golden Meadow. Uh, brother, uh, we are doing this remote today. We're trying something different. I'm in cutoff. You're a little farther down the bio. Um, we've not seen one another in a while. You're going to probably joke and say I've been socially distancing for the last six years. Um, <laughs> but either way, um, how's the quarantine going over there, man? Man, it's uh, it's, it's different. Uh, I think everything from here on out will be pretty different. Uh, I guess the way we're going to attack things and the way things are done. But I'm going to tell you what's the weirdest part of doing this this little podcast that we that we kind of talked about doing is we don't have a producer. No matter where we're at, if we, if we were in the ESPN 100.3 studios are in the one more round studios we don't have a producer to mess with that's gonna be weird <laughs> you ain't lying about that um i haven't even talked to you about this dude i mean we talk on you know throughout the day and text messages and stuff and we talk about crazy stuff and wrestling and sports whatever it may be i like are you working from home they got you still commuting how's that going man so i've been fortunate enough to um I kind of, I guess, invested in myself uh, to be able to work from home Mm -hmm. about six months ago. So I kind of bought a little setup and kind of everything that I had to work just to make everything easier because the job, uh, I'm a recruiter, I do recruiting for a living and recruiting really doesn't stop. So you kind of, if you got to plug into the house, you got to plug in, you know, anywhere. So it's easier for me. I mean, we kind of got the the double monitor set up and you know all that good stuff at the house and i got with one of our our, our it guys and he's like man this is what you need to get i quickly grabbed everything and that was about six months ago so whenever they started trying out um working from home i was one of the first ones to be able to work from home because i didn't have to take anything home so i've actually been home since um i think the 19th of march okay which is uh really different having to work remotely and not having face-to-face interaction um it's different, but we have a great team, and, and we're making it work. Good. Well, look, man, uh, glad to hear you're doing all right. Ain't ain't nobody wanting to hear us talk about work right now. Everybody's wanting to talk about no. other stuff. So let's lead off, talk a little bit about wrestling. I would be remiss if we didn't lead off by talking about, man, this, this one took me by surprise today. I woke up, read the news. I was shocked. I didn't realize he was in bad health. Howard Finkel passed away today, man, and I don't know, uh, you know, uh, how you feel about this, but I mean, he was such a big part of my childhood. Every match that I remember from a kid all started with Howard Finkel ringside, introducing the bad guy, introducing the, the good guy. It was, it took me because, you know, like every match that I could remember from my childhood, if I rank them all one through 10, they all started the same way. And that was with Howard Finkel introducing both guys. I can't tell you how many times in my childhood that I've imitated Howard Finkel. Right. I mean, how many, how many times do you introduce yourself or, or, or I mean, look, man, uh, it is what it is. As a kid, you play with action figures. How many times were you Howard Finkel? You know, it, it, it's weird to, uh, it, and having him, he was on one of those um, WWF reality shows. Uh, I don't remember. It was some, somewhere they had four or five um, legend, uh, Legends House. I think that's what it was called. Yeah. Um, they had you no know, five, six, whatever guys living there. He was, he was in there. That was one of the most interesting characters. He just got along with everybody. And it, it's it's sad to see, uh, you know, kind of one of those guys pass away, especially a, 
a guy that, that's a big time figure in your in your childhood and, and like you said kind of goes into almost every wrestling story that, that you start with though it starts with Howard Finkel on the on the mic and I can remember one of my favorite pay-per-views and you we watched this together um the, uh oh, man um Survivor Series 89 oh yeah oh yeah I believe and one of the first things that uh, Jesse Ventura says he, him and Monsoon are kind of going at it and he said let's go to the Fink and that's <laughs> that's that's in my mind forever there, there's you know there are a couple of um folks who are always going to be synonymous with their position um I'm always going to remember Bobby Heenan and Jesse Ventura as the heel announcers I'm always going to remember Jim Ross for his great storytelling Howard Finkel is always going to be the ring announcer. Like even though the you know he's obviously not going to be able to do the position anymore, he's always going to be. When you tell me ring announcer wrestling, Howard Finkel's face is always going to be the first one that I think of. It, it, it's almost like no matter who they have to replace him. I know Lillian Garcia was there for a while, and I, I mean I couldn't tell you who they have now by name, but it's almost like they were still trying to fill his shoes. And no matter what, no matter who they put in there, it, it doesn't work. You know what's crazy, and I didn't realize this until reading. He was the first employee of WWF whenever Vince McMahon took over the company. He was literally employee number one. I didn't know that until I read that today. Yeah, so I, unfortunately, um, there's two things that my knowledge has been broadened by in the past 30 days or however many days that we've been in the, in this quarantine setting. And it's uh, wrestling and how to beat a zone defense. I've watched so many <laughs> basketball games, so many wrestling matches that it's it's unbelievable. That's uh, every as soon as I kind of log off from work, I'm, I'm going to the TV. I'm, I'm watching some team try to beat Jim Beheim's two three defense, or I'm watching some type of wrestling event. So speaking of that, let's talk a little bit about WrestleMania this year. They didn't like really call it WrestleMania 36. They just kind of branded it as WrestleMania um, indoors. Uh, not in a stadium kind of in almost like a gym no fans um i had no expectations going in i haven't now admittedly even before all the covid pandemic hadn't been watching didn't think the product was any good um still now post wrestlemania haven't really been watching don't think the product is any good but i gotta tell you the the six and a half hours seven hours of the two days of wrestlemania left me with a little bit of hope that, you know, hey, maybe when things get back to normal, I may start watching again because I thought it was a pretty good show. It's hard to watch without the fans. A, a, a lot of the guys feed off fan intera- interaction. Some of the matches, uh, I mean, just you, you feed off the move set and kind of what, you know, when to, when to end the match and, and whatnot is a, is a big part of it. And the crowd's a big part of that. But it was entertaining. But, you know, I, I didn't miss anything. I didn't miss any of it. Um and I'm proud dad moment. My eight year old daughter, Kimberly, is <laughs> a spinning image of myself at eight years old. And she is, she is head over heels. I mean, there is, if there's, there's no, if wrestling on the TV, there's nothing else going on in, in her time. It's, it's fun. It's fun to see something passed down from a dad to, to a kid, especially something like that that's going through so many generational changes. But, um, a little much for me with the, the matches that were, weren't didn't happen in the ring. I know a lot of people enjoy that with Undertaker and AJ Styles. I was, eh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the fence about that. I think the the Bray Wyatt John Cena um, House of Horrors was it House of Horrors? Is that is that right? Uh, Firefly Funhouse. Fire, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, Firefly Fun Firefly Fun Funhouse match. Say that five times. Right. Um. It, it's a. It was a little much. That was in. I thought that was more entertaining than Undertaker and AJ Styles. I, I'm a purist. I like I like to see it in the ring. I'm not. I wasn't too big of a fan of that. I know they got a lot of good reviews on it, but I wasn't a big big fan of that. So here's my thoughts. Um, 
I, I agree. I thought that the AJ Styles Undertaker thing was a little bit kind of cheesy. But my counter to that would be is if AJ Styles and the Undertaker wrestled, I wouldn't have watched it at all. Whereas that, I did watch it. So, I, you know, I guess it, it made... I haven't been able to follow anything The Undertaker does in the last 10 to 15 years, but I did pay attention to that. So they at least brought my eyeballs to it, um, but I don't want to see too, too much of that. That could I could see where that would get old really, really quick. See, I, I'm kind of on the opposite. Uh, I mean, look, if you you said you only seen the last 10 to 15 years of The Undertaker, or what, uh, you haven't seen, you only missed 10 to 15 matches, you only wrestled once a year. Right. Um, I was anxious to see if AJ Styles could make him look like like anything, because I mean, AJ Styles could, is one of the best workers in the in the entire world, and I was I was interested to see how he would make him look. But I guess uh, putting your your talent in the best position to succeed that was kind of the way to go. Um, anything stood out for you, Casey? There there those there that six hour uh, event. Uh yeah. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I thought Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins was phenomenal. Um, I was surprised at how good Otis looked in the ring against Dolph Ziggler. I mean, you think Otis, you think kind of a comedy act, big, you know, kind of chunky dude. That guy could go, man. He's pretty good. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't talk about women's wrestling as much because I'm not a giant fan, but Charlotte Flair's unbelievable, man. Her her match in the second night, I mean, she's, she's I, the way I tweeted it was, she makes it into a different sport. She's, she's so good, man. And I just left thinking, man, she is the greatest women's wrestler that we have ever seen it there's levels to the to anything and she's she's definitely at top level uh talking about otis a little bit i haven't i've actually never seen him uh work at all and then kind of seeing the storyline that 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 was that they showed before i was interested I, I know uh we were kind of talking about that um it was interesting it was interesting anytime you get to see uh fat guy win and then take the woman <laughs> so it's, it's always a good it's always a good story right I didn't realize that, and I, I, I'll give credit where it's due. Eric Bischoff is actually the one who I was listening to his podcast. Otis is like a legitimate, you know, bad dude. Like he's got a fighting background and he's he's a legitimate athlete. I, I would have never put two and two together, but it makes sense watching him work because he is nimble. He can move. He can he can make things happen. And what do you think about the two world title matches? I thought that this was, that was the low point of this WrestleMania. I thought they both stunk. They were both, in, in many ways, squashes. Um, Goldberg should have never had the title to begin with. He lost in two minutes and 52 seconds. Brock Lesnar loses in less than five minutes. It's crazy to believe that, you know, in the history of WrestleMania, where we're used to seeing hell, one WrestleMania had a 60-minute Iron Man match for the title. The two heavyweight championship matches combined were only six minutes total in length. I think that goes to show you exactly what the heavyweight title means uh, in, in 2020. I never like to see Lesnar lose. I think he's just he's just that good of a character, and I don't think a character like that needs to lose very often. Um, I didn't I didn't care for that match at all, um, especially just. Uh, I guess both of them were kind of similar, where they just did their finishes over and over again. Had the other one kick out, which that's I mean <laughs> that's <so> overplayed. <laughs> I know they kind of needed to get the. the title off of Goldberg and you know, I, I don't know I, I guess that that's why the, the titles are, are kind of they mean what they mean it's more storyline based and it, you know it's not Ric Flair with the WCW title coming down dial and you know you're going to get the best match of the night guaranteed no matter who he's facing it. it's not like that anymore so I guess and I mean I, we could do an entire show just on this 
why was the title on Goldberg to begin with? I mean, they had built up Bray Wyatt. He was destroying the entire roster, no-selling the entire roster, squashing the entire roster. He loses to Goldberg, who then gets squashed by you know, a guy who had lost to half the main event guys in the last two years. I didn't understand that at all. I can't understand that either. I, it's some of the, I, I guess that's why we're not in that position to not because we don't understand that. I remember when Strowman was coming up, who's like, who's going to beat this guy? When he was having those brawls with with Reigns, uh, you know, every, every, was it was it Roman Reigns in the ambulance the yeah. ambulance match? Yeah. That was like the only time Roman Reigns was actually interesting, and that was those were some battles. And who could hurt this guy? Now he, you know, now he goes to WrestleMania. Was it was it? Uh, WrestleMania 30 when he tags up with the uh, with the kid from the crowd. <laughs> <sighs> you just never know, man. You never know. But that's what kind of what keeps you watching. You know, you get mad and well, what are they going to do to this guy next? And let's see what they're going to do. But you know, why give Goldberg a run? I have no clue. Uh, that, that makes zero sense to me. I'm sure there's some backstage politics that kind of go with it, but uh, definitely not. Definitely not a fan of that. Okay, so the the big talk was, um, you know, after the Undertaker's match with AJ Styles, I saw this posted a million different places. Um, the idea that, you know, look, Sting can't wrestle. He can't bump. He can't do different things. But if you put him on almost like a movie set and kind of do stunts, they can maybe make that Undertaker-Sting match that everybody's wanted to see for the last 20 years. Is that something that you would have any interest in at all? After seeing after seeing uh, Styles and them taking in that kind of weird setting, I mean, why not? I mean, just for nostalgia purposes, why not? Let's let, let's go ahead. Let's put it together. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, Sting has had such a wonderful career, and I think what we've seen of him recently, you know, leaving matches injured and everything like that, he deserves a better send off. I think that that would be something that'd be worth looking at. So, um, have you have you watched anything uh, post WrestleMania? I watched a little bit of the Raw afterwards. I saw Nia Jax come back. I saw Drew McIntyre's promos, and I watched actually a good bit of of this past Monday night. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know we were kind of talking. I said, "Dude, uh, my little girl's going to be so afraid of Nia Jax." And I was like, <laughs> "I said, Kim, do you think she could beat Becky Lynch? For who she loves Becky Lynch?" He's like, "I don't know that." I said, "Well, I guess we're we going to find out soon." She's like, "Okay." <laughs> Yeah. She's pumped up to watch it. I do think we're going to find out soon. Um, let's see. I, man, I, I, I don't know. Um, Boxing-wise, MMA-wise, I mean, that's all kind of been shut down. It, what do you so, think is going to happen? So I mean, for, from what I'm hearing right now, Florida is about to approve some things with no crowd uh, as far as combat sports. So I think a lot of – I think it may, did a UFC fight may, maybe because maybe um, the WWE is – is there and they're approving that they're mm-hmm. kind of maybe all under the same the same roof right there yeah yeah I, I saw the wwe was approved as an essential sport in the state of florida i guess the question i want to ask you is is okay let's say we could open up a little bit and there won't be fans like like you said and we have um a prized fight and i'm, I'm gonna just throw out names uh, you know floyd mayweather manny pacquiao i know that that fight's not gonna happen but Two guys that are at the top of the sport fighting in a prize fight without a crowd. Is that, I mean, you've been in corners before, you've been judging fights. You know that the crowd is, is a big influence on the adrenaline of the fighters. And in some respects, and though the judges wouldn't admit this and, and it shouldn't be a factor, the, the reactions of the crowds impact the judging at times too. What do you think that would look like to see a big prize fight with no one rooting on either guy? 
unfortunately, I've been I have been involved in some pro boxing promotions where there's maybe fifty people in the crowd. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I've kind of I've kind of seen it. Um, I mean, it's prize fighting. There's money on the line. These guys, these guys aren't. They don't care who's, who's watching them. Um, I guess the the promoter is not going to make the the ticket selling money. But if you're going to have pretty much the only thing on TV. Everybody's going to watch. Everybody's going to buy advertising space. So, I, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know my total feelings on what should be done and and whatnot. And I guess it's really not my opinion to have, regardless. But if somebody's going to deem that safe to have, somebody with a with a higher intelligence and a higher um, position than what than what I have is going to deem that safe, I'm 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 watching no matter who's fight. I think it's going to be to that point. And boxing promoters, some of those guys are the most shadiest people in, in business people in the world <laughs> not mentioning any names but um i mean they're gonna put joe blow against joe blow where they don't have to pay him all that much because they're not getting the ticket sales and everybody's gonna watch regardless because there's there's nothing there's really nothing else on so along those same lines um in in, in washington dc the the doctors and all those people that are making these decisions have said loud and clear over the last couple of days and over the last couple you know, week or so that they are in favor of sports coming back here very soon. And the PGA Tour has announced that they're going to come back in June, and MLB is making plans to come back in the next couple of weeks. The NBA is going to finish out their season. It's time, man. Like, we've we've been – we've had nothing on TV for so long. It is time. And um, I don't know about you, but a small piece of me – and even when this was all starting and we didn't know how it was going to play out, and we were talking about, okay, we're going to finish the NBA season without fans or whatever it may be. A small piece of me in the back of my mind was thinking, you know, hey, look, I like the adrenaline of a live crowd, but I also think the idea of an NBA playoff game where I could hear everything that's being said on the court may be pretty damn exciting too. So I've had the opportunity to uh, sit on some very lively benches in my right. basketball coaching career. And sometimes I don't know if you want to, if, if everything needs to be heard, <laughs> but that would, that will be, that will be very interesting. And I think basketball would probably be uh, one of the first major sports uh, to be, um, I guess, okay to, to go back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would make sense because it's probably the less amount of athletes in the plate, in the building and uh, probably less amount of coaches that, that are being in the building. I just again talking about what, what the first thing we talked about tonight. What nothing's going to be the same. So you're telling people to stay away from each other, but you're going to go have uh, Patrick Beverly d up on LeBron with zero space, and right. you know, I guess they're going to be. I guess they'll be they'll be tested previously. So I guess it'll they'll. I guess everything's going to be second thought. Every 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 move from here on out will be second thought until I guess everything kind of smooths on out. But I'm ready to see some sports, man. Last night. Um, I was watching one of my favorite North Carolina teams ever. Um, Raymond Feldman, Sean May, uh, oh, yeah. Jawad Williams, oh, yeah. um, Melvin Williams. Scott. Man, that that's a that that was a team. I, I was flipping back and forth between uh, that North Carolina team and um, taking on Duke with uh, with Chris Duhon, JJ Reddick, Daniel Ewing, uh, Luau Dang, Sheldon Williams. That was a battle, man. And then I was going back and forth between that and LSU Alabama. How many times have you watched the LSU play from this season, Casey? Oh, my God. Uh, I've watched the Clemson game at least 20 times. I've watched the SEC championship game at least 10 or 12 times. Uh, I've, let's see, I've watched the Alabama game now a bunch of times, the Texas game several times. And you know what? 
It never gets old, baby. <laughs> I was about to ask. That. I see something new almost every single uh, every single time I get to watch it. I don't know why, but they played. Um, yeah, I'd say they SEC Network played uh, three LSU games. The first one was the LSU Ole Miss game, which I was where we had Betty basketball, so I missed the first half. Um, so I was like the only the only game that I kind of missed throughout the season, and it was, it was good to be able to see it again. But that second half, man, that second half was brutal. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. That's a good segue. Um, they're missing their spring, obviously, and they may miss some of their summer. And Coach Ogeron has been on TV in the last couple of days, and he's been open about, you know, hey, if this were all happening last year, I wouldn't really be worried because LSU had everything coming back. Like this past season was a perfect storm. They had just about everything back at every position. They weren't really replacing anything. This year's the opposite. They lost a lot of guys to the draft. They're going to be a younger group, still incredibly talented, but a younger, less experienced group. And the argument Coach O was making on TV is like, look, yeah, everybody's going to be missing their spring, so everybody's on the same you know, footing. But my guys maybe needed that experience a little more than other teams did. So he really thinks that LSU, when, when practices resume in the summer, really had be going, better be going in high gear because they've got some catching up to do. I mean, who else would you want, to, who else would you want leading that team? Um, I, I think he's 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 definitely solidified his place and, and to where he is. Maybe and that's the guy. And I get goosebumps talking about the, about Coach O, man. It's the guy that that righted his wrongs. He's done, you know he didn't he didn't do well at Ole Miss. Uh, went back to USC and when he took the interim spot, did did decent. And then when he came back to LSU, man, that's it's a it's a heartwarming story that one day will make a great movie. And I wouldn't want anybody else leading that that charge. Um, I can't tell you. I, I in my bathroom, I have a radio and I leave it on um, all twenty four seven, and it's either on one hundred point three or one hundred five three, depending on what's going on or whatever. Well, that Coach O uh, PSA about the coronavirus, washing your hands and whatnot. I'm gonna tell you something. When that comes on, I'm washing my hands. I don't. It doesn't matter what. I, if I'm passing in the hall and I hear my radio and I hear Coach O talk about washing your hands for twenty seconds, guess what I'm doing? I'll wash my hands for twenty seconds, man. Oh, there ain't um, no doubt about that. Uh, I, I, what's your thoughts on? I'm, I'm going to ask you two questions. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I know you're not you're not used to the one answering the questions, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and no, ask. No, you. that's fine. opinion on opinion on Miles Brennan. Mm-hmm. How far how far can he take us this season? Mm-hmm. And then what do you see college football football being this season? Okay, so for the first question, um, I have been. I don't want to say a hater, because I really haven't been a Miles Brennan hater, for say. I just have been kind of worried. But what eased my concerns is if you go back to the Oklahoma game, um, LSU was winning by a million, and they gave Miles Brennan one series with the starters before you know putting you know, the rest of the backups in. They went straight down the field like a knife through butter and scored a touchdown. And that kind of eased my concerns a little bit, because every other time we'd seen him, it looked sloppy. But he was playing with scabs. He was playing with freshmen, you know, guys that didn't have any chemistry, whatnot. But when he got in there with the ones against Oklahoma, they went straight down the field. It looked crisp. It looked good. I don't, I mean, he's not going to be Joe Burrow good. But I think that it could be similar to Joe Burrow's first season where he has competent stats, puts up pretty good numbers. Um, the, the one thing I think we're going to miss, man, is the running ability. Like, that's the thing that, that is so underestimated about Joe Burrow and, and so underrated is that. If it's third and four, and how many times this season was it, you know, third and five, third and six, and the defense actually did have everybody covered, as difficult as that was, 
and then Burrow would just run for the first down. I mean, he took the, the soul out of so many defenses with his legs throughout the course of the year. Miles Brennan's not going to give you that. And then to the second question, uh, man, I would hope that by September and October, you know, we're able to to get people back together and, and be able to do some things. But it, it scares you because that's also the time when they say that this damn thing might start to come back. Um, and, and how crazy would it be to imagine seeing a college football game, which is so heavily you know, dominated on fans and students and people going crazy and bands and noise. And could you imagine a game in Tiger Stadium with no fans at all? Uh, and, and people ask me this is today, actually, you know, hey, could could the sport still go on without the ticket revenue? Yeah, it could. Because the, I mean, the sport is heavily funded by TV revenue. That's where they get the, the lion's share of their money. Mm-hmm. But it would just be so weird to see. So I, c- I kind of glancing at the TV a couple of times with the ESPN. I don't remember what coach said it, but they said some football is better than no football. And yeah. He was almost talking about a conference only um, schedule. Did you did I what, did I go crazy? Did I dream that? Did you did you say that at no, any point? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, they, they were talking about um, maybe. Do you think do you think that's an like an actual possibility? Uh, the only thing that off the top of my head, I mean, LSU could pull it off. The only concern I would have is, man, like let's say a Nichols who's scheduled to go to LSU this year. If they don't get that payday, man, like they're going to have to make some serious decisions. It would really hurt some of the smaller schools. I, I don't know. I and, and that's the thing that, that makes everybody feel so helpless is that no one knows, man. This thing changes day by day, second by second. For anybody to say – that they know for sure what this is going to look like by September. They're just telling you an outright lie. Yeah, no, it's just a guessing game at this point. No doubt. Um, if the NBA season were to resume in the next couple of weeks and, and they they actually finish out the year, do you think the Pelicans are going to catch that eighth seed and make it to postseason? Oh, man, you, we're going Pelicans now? Listen, but, but look, man, the, from the last time that we sat in that ESPN studio, I was a, I'm, I'm a, I did a total – 180 on the Pelicans, man. <laughs> Once they, oh, you get me fired up. Um, they they playing some good basketball. Um, um, man, I'm, my my teeth may evaporate saying this. Uh, Zion looks like the real deal. Uh, yeah. You and I had some some long conversations about, um, you know, when he when he's gonna when he'll fade out, and you know he's he gained too much weight. He can't get up and down the floor. He can't shoot. And, who comes out his first game nails four three pointer yeah, out of the back? He's really good, man. Um, do they have enough to at this point? Um, do things just restart? I mean, I mean, how long? I know these guys are working out. I'm sure they're doing some individual training, but the cohesiveness that the, that the and the chemistry of the Pelicans were building. Um, I mean, does that go out the window after you know sixty days off or or however long it's going to be? I think they have the potential to to be able to do that. Um, do I know for sure? I, no, I don't. But do you think it's a possibility that the playoff that the playoffs would start with the standings right now, just to be yeah. able to get the playoffs in? Yeah, I, I do think that that's also a possibility. I think that that we were going to see one of two things. If in the next couple of days we could get this thing back rolling. I think they'll try to finish out the season, but I do think that it's also a strong possibility. They'll just say, Hey, the season's over. We'll just play the postseason." And I think it's also maybe in a possibility that they'll say, okay, well we'll do best of three and best of five instead of, you know, best of seven all the way around. But again, like you, you said with the football a minute ago, 
at this point. I don't care if they do a damn single elimination tournament, just something for us to have, you know, to, to hold on to. Yeah, man, it, I this and especially this NBA season because this is the first NBA season in the last four or five years where I have no clue who's going to win either conference. It's wide open, man. We'd be we'd be cheated as sports fans if we didn't get a chance to watch the NBA playoffs this year. And that's that's how I feel about college basketball. That March Madness is by far my favorite time. No matter how um, how bad of a season my heels had and how um, how weird of a season uh, LSU was having, it's still when you get to that that last sixty eight, you never know what's going to happen. You know, you had Dayton uh, that that was that was that was going to come on and actually have a chance to to do something. It, it, I, I love. I do enjoy the NBA, especially the playoffs. I think the season's too long. I think 82 games is just a bit much for everything. But um, man, that college basketball—one game, one one game—and you're done. There's so much effort and so much, so much heart and soul put into these games. That that's something that I really, really, truly missed. Uh, get you know, getting getting canceled. This is this is the God to honest truth. I wanted to do this, and I said to myself earlier today I was going to do this, and then I forgot. But I'll tell it to you now. I wanted to take every one of the small conference champions that had won their league and put them all in a hat and pick a hat, and then that would have been the small conference team that would beat Duke in the first round. <laughs> but I, I didn't take the time to do it. Um, but you're right. All anti-Duke stuff aside, it would have been wide open. And I, what's crazy is I didn't think that there was a great team. I, didn't, I thought that there was just about 15 or 20 really good teams. And – Every year when I'm filling out my bracket, I, I usually at least have a pretty good idea of who may go to the Final Four. This year, I would have hated my bracket no matter what the, the actual bracket would have ended up looking like because I didn't trust anybody as far as I could throw them. And you talk about LSU, for example. I could have seen LSU winning one game, two games, or I could have seen LSU losing by 50 in the first round to a nobody. It, it would have been wide open, and I think that it would have made for unbelievable TV, and it's a shame that we didn't get a chance to see it. I guess one day we're gonna have to get uh, you, Nick, and I, and uh, give the uh, the idea on how the basketballs are rigged in March. We oh, have to give that, we have to give that theory out. Oh, look, yeah, that, that's something we could do a show on because Nick <laughs> and I are pretty pretty sold on that theory there. But that's that's another argument for another day, I guess. Um, uh, so, Casey, okay, so I'll bring something up real quick that's kind of getting shared in one of my one of my groups. Absolutely, uh, I know people are kind of going back and forth, and the the gamblers of the world are having withdrawals at this point, but. You, oh, uh, I know that feeling, brother. The uh, well, yeah, we won't talk about what we put our monopoly money <laughs> on uh, earlier in the week. Uh, so Major League Eating is uh, going to have a tournament. It's going to be a single elimination. They're going to go from a two-pound bologna qualifying round to a ten-pack cup of noodles finale. <laughs> uh, there's there are eight competitive eaters with Joey Chestnut obviously having the best odds. But it'll be a sing, like a single elimination tournament, and uh, let's see. I'm not sure when. I'm not sure. It doesn't have a date yet, but that's going to be something. Uh, they're taking a bunch of bets on that. Uh, this is a Forbes article that I'm kind of going through, so that'll, that'll give us something to talk about and some kind of something to watch on TV. And there, there be quarantine. It'll only be, I think, a judge and the two uh, com- competitors in the room. That ought to be something uh, interesting to watch. If we were on an actual Skype video call right now, and you could see me, you would be. <laughs> We're talking about two pounds of butter. Do you know how much a two pound? That's disgusting, man. That is absolutely- so I, I guess they're going to lay it out and the first one to finish wins. 
I, I, I guess. Man, I actually have a Joey Chestnut story. Were you with us when Joey Chestnut came for this uh, on the sports corner? Or, or I, no, I don't think you no, were. No, but I remember. I remember the day he came down for the the gumbo eating thing. Nicest guy you will ever meet, man. And and I I asked him, I uh before he came on the air, I said, hey, can we talk about? Uh, you know, how crazy your sport is or whatever. And he said, yeah, ask me anything. And then as soon as the interview ended, he said, man, I'm living the dream. And I said, what you mean by that, buddy? He said, I'm going to eat a bunch of food and I'm going to get paid a bunch of money. And I was thinking, you know what, Joey, you've got things figured out, man. He ended up eating like something like 50 or 60 bowls of seafood gumbo. And he actually said afterward that the, the gumbo contest was one of the more difficult ones he'd ever done because he didn't realize the the, I guess the that that roux isn't water that it's actually got some texture to it. He was about to throw up everywhere, man. He he was struggling by the time that contest was over. Man, just kind of skimming through his article, Casey. Seventy four hot dogs in ten minutes. That is insane, dude. Did so you is, did you ever watch the documentary a, on that? A six a six day event over uh, four rounds of a single elimination uh, single elimination action. This is, I'm I'm tuned in. I'm tuned in already. What what are the what are the food categories? I know you said bologna and you said something about noodles. What are, what are some of the others? Do they have anything listed? Uh just no, that that's the only thing that, that they have listed. It says two pounds of bologna qualifying round and then the five finale is gonna be ten pack cup of noodles. So that that could go quick. If you if you eating ten if you eating seventy four hot dogs in ten minutes, I can't imagine ten packs of noodles gonna be that uh that difficult. On one hand, I, I, I'm with you. That that's going to be incredibly exciting. On the other hand, a wave of depression has come over me. That that's what we have to be excited about at this point because we have nothing else but the bologna eating competition to bet on at this time. Well, I mean, let, let's give uh, let's give Tommy Bado some credit here. He's he's entertained us for the past three weeks in, in place of March Madness with the, the Better Call Bado food bracket. There was more debate and, and challenge uh, on that than a than a North Carolina Duke game. There it got, was it got hot. It got hot and heavy. There was a bunch of controversy about that, and we put put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that a little right. bit later on. We're we're going to okay. talk about that heavily a little bit later in the show because we've got some things we've got to discuss there. NFL draft. Um, you're the Cincinnati Bengals general manager right now. Um, is there any question that you're taking Joe Burrow? Are you fishing? Are you trying to you know make a big trade? I mean, to me, it seems like you got to pick Joe. But it, what what way are you leaning right now? I, I'm I'm listening, but I'm, I'm not. I don't I only have one ear open. If I'm if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals front office, I I'm going to listen just in case something uh, a Ricky Williams type of deal comes out my way. But uh, listen, you got a you got one of the closest things to a franchise quarterback that uh, that that has been out in, in, a, in quite a long time. He's got he's got the pro style coaching. He's got the pro style offense down. He's smart. He's got heart. There's nothing more that you need in a in a franchise quarterback and. I mean, just having uh, – I know he, he expressed an interest to play with, with, with A.J. Green. They locked up A.J. Green. I think that, that they're not they're going to stay there. Um, I think one of the most interesting teams in the draft, unfortunately, is going to be the Falcons. I know they're – from what I'm, uh, what I'm reading and watching, they're um, only interviewing and, and kind of – I don't know if they're working out anybody with kind of what, what, what's going on. Um, only like top 15, top 16 kind of guys. So they're going to think – they're going to make a move into that into that upper echelon part of the draft. I don't know, I don't know what they're going to give up, but in that NFC South, you better get your defense ready. I can tell you that. Dude, the NFC South is loaded, man. You got the the uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Brady uh, formation in, in Carolina. You've got 
Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. Atlanta's got talent. They're just a mess and can't put it all together. So that leads us with the New Orleans Saints. Um, Drew Brees has announced that he's going to come back. Um, Sean Payton kind of spilled the beans that he's only going to come back for one more season. This is going to be his final season is what Sean Payton has said. Uh, so a, a two prong question. Um, in, there we in, go. <laughs> if, if you were the Saints in the draft, what would you be looking to do? That's the first part. And the second part, do you believe that these guys are going to be going with Taysom Hill the rest of the way I hear after next season? Man, that was a that was a big time debate on on the radio this this uh, this evening. What I was listening to, um, I'm I'm all about Taysom Hill. I want to I would like to see him a little bit more. Um, but so I see this season as I think we'll be I think the Saints will be competitive. But I kind of see Drew Brees as kind of like the Pope in the Pope Mobile, just waving to everybody going down. Hey, look, man, if I'm already saying that this is my last year. And I've already signed the TV deal for quote unquote. Whenever my whenever I retire from football, I mean this this is the this is the swan song year. I I just it's it's going to be hard to have that fire knowing that this is it. This is it. No matter what happens, I'm done. Um, as far as in the draft, you gotta. I don't watch all that much Saints football, all that much professional football in general, but. Um, I think the biggest thing is going to be they already got they got Brees some help on the on the receiving core. Um, you, you know, you solidified in the backfield. You always got to look for upfront help, the linebacking core, and then in the NFC South, you're going to have to go after a DB. You're going to need you're going to need you're going to need cornerbacks. You're going to need safeties when you're facing Tom Brady twice twice a year. You, you already know what you're getting in, in Teddy Bridgewater, and, and you know Matt Ryan seems to always have the knife out to carve up the Saints uh, defense year after year. It feels like, to me at least, and people are going to call me a hater for saying this, it feels like their window is closed. I mean, you have the Minnesota miracle, whatever, three years ago. Then you have the Rams pass interference thing two years ago. And then last year you were um, the 13-3 and team that didn't even get a bye in the NFC. That never happens, and you lose in the first round at home. I just don't know how many times they could keep getting up off the mat, man. Um, maybe with the, with Drew Brees saying it's his last year, they'll get a little bit of extra moxie. But, man, I, I just don't know how many times this team could keep getting up after getting knocked down. I can tell you, Casey, there's about three people that want to hear us talk about wrestling, and there's about two people that want to hear us talk about the New Orleans Saints. We are missing <laughs> – Mr. and Mrs. Doom and Gloom when it comes to the Saints. And it happens every year. It happens every single year. We we those guys and, and we those guys that kinda are in the background kinda snickering and laughing every time the Saints uh have something like uh a Kirk Cousins come in or uh or when just anything bad happens to we those two guys in the back just kinda snickering saying, Kinda I told you so. But whenever they're uh, so go ahead. Uh, I said, but whenever they're zero and two and they finally win a game and everybody's off the bandwagon, that's when it's time to say that's my Saints. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's when the free tickets come about. That's right. So, kind of speaking, keeping on the Saints a little bit. Alvin Kamara, free agent after this season. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, kind of getting locked up. I know you you saw the video of him with the, the live reaction of him seeing McCaffrey's deal come across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is going to happen with that? There's, uh, do you think there's any way the Saints could pay him that that Christian McCaffrey money? I, I think they could. Do I think they should? Uh, I, I don't. I wouldn't. Um, I, I just I have such a hard time giving any running back that. Uh, but especially, 
a guy that's the size and the frame of Alvin Kamara. And I, I get that he's a fan favorite and he's a guy that people have enjoyed watching and he's he's elusive and he could do so many different things. But I think you also have to go back and look at the, the full product here. Um, the last two years he's been beat up and, you know, early in his career he was he was relatively healthy. But if you go back to his college career, the reason why the Saints got him so early is because in college he was often beat up. Um, so I think when you look at the entire product, that was a Coca Cola, by the way. Ain't nothing wrong with that either way, baby. Um, the the entire product, I, I think he's just kind of an injury prone player, man. I, I I would have a hard time giving him Christian McCaffrey money, especially knowing that I've got to pay Marshawn Lattimore and and you know all these other guys that are going to be coming up. They've already paid Michael Thomas, but you know some of the guys on the offensive line that you got coming up. I just have a hard time giving that to a running back. And look, I'm the guy who had a hard time for my own Cowboys to give Ezekiel Elliott that money. I, I just I don't want to pay running backs in today's NFL. And look, I agree. And you could see uh, staying in staying inside that division. You're looking at Todd Gurley going to the Falcons. Uh, you know, two years away from being maybe the best running back in in, in football, and now they you know um, the Rams just kind of let him go. And, and let's see, what do you think he's going to do with, with Atlanta? Oh, man, it's so hard because you'd watch him sometimes and he looked great. And then you'd watch him other times and he looked like he could hardly walk. I don't know if it's a physical thing. I don't know if it was a mental thing. I don't know if he was disgruntled with his coaches for the price that Atlanta got. You know, yeah, sure. It's worth rolling dice. Man, it's it's crazy to believe he's only 25, 26 years old. It feels like watching him play that he's in his 30s. He's only in his mid-20s. so I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by that. And I'm also intrigued to see Tom Brady because there were times last year Tom Brady looked terrible. But is that, and I'll, I'll bounce the same thing off of you, was that because he didn't have any weapons in New England? Was that because he was growing disgruntled with his coaches? Like now he's got Mike Evans. He's got some guys he could throw the ball to. Does he have anything left at all? Or is this going to just be Joe Montana with the Chiefs? I'm thinking he still has something left. And uh, like you said, Tampa Bay has weapons. You got you got uh, Evans on one side, good one there. I, I read today they may be trying to trade. Um, uh, is it OJ Howard, the yeah, tight end? Yeah. So something must have happened there because you're not going to want to get traded after you get Tom Brady. Um, something led him to Tampa Bay, I believe, and it may have been some of those weapons. And I think he does have something left. They've always relied on him so heavily, and now he's kind of getting up. And I'll say they, New England has relied on him so heavily. Uh, they didn't have to surround him with a ton of talent. A couple of years they did when they, you know, when they got Randy Moss and then a couple other failed projects that from, from players that probably had no business really being there. And I think it just kind of caught up with him. They relied on him a little bit too much. This, at this point in his career, probably needs a little bit more help. Um, but I still think he has a little bit left in the tank. I don't think it's going to be a Montana in Kansas City or Emmett Smith in, in, in Arizona. I don't think it's going to be one of those deals, at least not this season. I think Tom Brady is probably um, a little too egotistical to not have anything left and, and, and still trying to trying to stay in there. I think he would. I think he wants. I think he'd want to go out on top, and I, I really think he has something left. Um, so, Casey, okay, so you mentioned the Cowboys a little bit, man. What do you? Where do you? What do you think their draft plans are? And kind of go circle back on that. What do you think the Saints' draft plans are? Yeah, I think the Cowboys are going to get a cornerback of some sort uh, in the early rounds to replace Byron Jones. And I think they're going to look to get some weapons to help um, Amari Cooper. And with the Saints, man, I think that they're going to um, 
I don't know if they're going to look to their secondary. I don't know if they're going to look to their linebacker core. Um, here's like the thing about them is it's so hard to predict because every year we say going into the draft they're going to get X, Y, and Z, and they end up getting you know B, C, and D. They always end up kind of going in their own unique direction. And as much as we like to hate on it, most of the time it actually works. So they're kind of the team similar to the Rockets in basketball where they kind of go by the beat of their own drummer a little bit. But Mickey Loomis and, and Jeff Ireland and those guys, they've, they've done a lot. And I, I think one of the things that um, New Orleans is going to be always so known for is the undrafted free agents that they sign after yep. the draft. Oh, my God, they bring in so much talent after the draft. They, they've hit so many home runs in that way. And speaking of that, now this guy's not going to be an undrafted free agent, but we want to give you know our best luck and, and well wishes to Meek Robertson, Thibodeau High School guy. All accounts say he's going to be a second or third round pick, hopefully a little higher than that. Um, dude, that guy could ball. Uh, we, we've seen him in high school. Uh, we've talked to him. Nice kid, humble kid. He's going to make a big difference no matter where he ends up. Yeah, I think that was a big, uh, a big miss for LSU. I know they kind of came in late on him. Um, I, I, yeah, like I said, I, like you said, I think he's going to go in at least late second round. Um, we've had the opportunity to uh, actually coach against him in basketball most of the time in the summer. Great kid, never one of those kids that's going to, um, you know, a call go doesn't go his way. He's not going to sit there and cry about. It. He's, he's just. He's a, he's a he's a freak athlete. I think his size may have kind of done him in, but he's got more heart than than, uh, than anyone on the field at that time. Um, so, Casey, let's let's go. Let's stick with the Cowboys a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know uh, your quarterback Dak Prescott got in a little bit of trouble uh, oh, over the quarantine break. You think that how much money do you think that cost him? How much of a bargaining chip do you think Jerry Jones now has because of that? So you're referring to his uh, big dinner party or whatever. Correct. The, the quarantine yeah. where uh, he got some, uh, maybe had a complaint against him or whatever. Do you think that has anything to do with, uh, with, like, do you think that's a, that's a chip that maybe Jerry Jones could use against him, not pay him that, that 30, 28, 30 million that he's looking for? I hope so, because I don't want to pay him that. <laughs> um, here's the thing, and, and this is what I would do if I were they, uh, if I were the Cowboys. Um, it's so hard to grade their talent and their personnel because everybody they got on the roster right now, you got to understand, they've been all been coached by Jason Garrett for the last three or four years. So it's hard to figure out what you've got there. I would I, I would franchise Dak and give him one year under Mike McCarthy, who I think is an upgrade. And if he still kind of has those lackadaisical games where he doesn't look very good, then maybe I'm, I'm looking the other direction. Now, if he comes out and explodes and looks tremendous, then yeah, you know, maybe we could explore a longer term deal. But, man, I've just never been a huge Prescott guy. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Um, he's he's a good quarterback, but I don't think he is at the level in terms of finances that he wants to be in terms of getting $30 million and $100 million guaranteed. I'm just nervous about that because the guys who deserve that money win championships, and I've not seen him even get close to winning a championship. I could uh, I could agree with you on on that. I just kind of want to rile you up and see if uh, <laughs> I, I know you you uh, a big stickler and he he kind of went above and beyond the, uh, the quarantine rules on there. Just want to kind of throw that your way. No, I hear you, man. Now, speaking of ch- winning championships, this is a topic that that I'm looking forward to very much on this weekend. Um, ESPN is going to be releasing their Last Ride documentary about the Chicago Bulls, episode one and two, dropping over the weekend. I don't even know the answer to this, so I'm curious to hear what you're going to say. Were you a Bulls fan as a kid? Did you hate the Bulls? I didn't like the Bulls. What, what were were you a Jordan guy? 
Are you kidding me? I'm I, listen, Jordan. To me, that's that's the end all be all. Um, in my in my man cave, I have a I have a a, a huge poster. It's the first thing that you see when you walk in of Jordan hitting the the shot against Georgetown is uh, to win the national championship. Uh, that's that's why I'm a Carolina guy. I, you know, whenever whenever Jordan was was going through. You know his the, the his his career on WGN. You don't miss a game. It's kind of like watching the Cubs. Yeah. Why weren't you? A, why weren't you a Bulls fan? Because I was an Orlando Magic fan, man. Shaquille O'Neal and and you know we beat them once in the playoffs when Jordan was wearing the forty five. And look, mm-hmm. to be honest, now older uh, as an older adult, I respect what they did so much. I was jealous of how much they would win. <laughs> And, and and you got to realize, man, I, I was Orlando Magic, Houston Rockets. The Rockets were the only team sandwiched in between that won the two championships. And then I had to always hear all this crap from all the Bulls fans saying, man, you guys would have never won any of those championships if Jordan didn't retire. So I was just tired of eating all the crow all the time, man. Yeah, I, listen, that, that, those Bulls teams, I mean, that that's kind of what one of the things that, that brought me to basketball and, and got me to, to enjoy the game the way it was, just the way they played and the talent that they had. And uh, even, even some of their – the the guys at the end of the bench the uh bill cartwright the luke longley bill winnington uh scott williams all uh stacy king you know all them guys at the end of the bench i, I was i was a big fan of those guys as well um man when they brought in rodman they brought in ron harper <laughs> I, I hated ron harper until he got to the bulls and then uh you know just seeing jordan kind of do what he, do what he did and then kind of reading whenever you get a little bit older and some of the trash talk the dude had, it makes him kind of even like him a little bit more. Reading the story today, um, I don't know. And again, I don't know. I, I didn't credit my source on this, so I don't know how true this is. But uh, there was a quote from, I believe, Dominique Wilkins. Somebody had said something about him and about Michael Jordan. And when he, he went into the locker room, somebody said, why is Jordan in the locker room? Jordan came in and said, hey, look, such as I'm dropping 50 on y'all tonight. And he ended up <laughs> dropping 60. So, uh, I mean, if you could if you could talk that much trash and then back it up and then have, there's nothing you could do about it. That, I mean, that's the greatest ever played a game. You could talk about LeBron all you want. I just don't think that LeBron had, had the competitiveness that, um, you know, he may have the physical tools. He may be bigger, maybe stronger. But I don't think he had that competitive spirit or, or the heart that Jordan had because Jordan was not losing there, there and he wasn't passing the ball uh for, for, you know he wasn't passing the ball to Kyrie Irving to let him let him take that last shot I know you're going to come with the with the John Paxson that was the one time oh no 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 I, I'm time. with you 100 percent I, I I favor Jordan over LeBron over LeBron 100 percent yeah. um Michael has watched the documentary and I know you and I are big wrestling guys and we, more specifically we're big heel wrestling guys Michael Jordan has come out and said, people are going to watch this documentary and think I'm the worst human being in the planet. So I'm very curious to see what are some of the stories that are going to be told, but it sounds like some of the true competitiveness and nastiness of Michael Jordan is going to come out here in the next couple of days. I'll tell you one of my favorite Jordan stories is the game that they played on. It was a scrimmage for the 92 uh, Olympic team, the dream team. They said, I don't know if you've watched any documentaries on, on the dream team, but they had a scrimmage that was, Possibly one of the greatest games ever played, yeah. and uh, Jordan kind of showed out there in there in that whole that whole process. But I mean, there, there's a thin line between being uh, you know competitive and being hated. That's, that's a very thin line. I think Jordan walked that for his career uh, on, on the positive side. But now that now some actual stories going to come out, maybe some of the things he, he's done might be a little bit different. But I'm I'm very anxious <laughs> to, to see that. 
All right, well, we've got another couple of minutes, and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about food now. Uh, you talked about this earlier in the show. Our buddy Tommy Botto um, created this food bracket, and, and you guys told me how awesome it was going to be beforehand, and I'm not going to lie with you. I was kind of like, huh, what? But since it's going on, it's, it's addicting to go on and vote on all these different topics, and I would spend so much time in between writing my COVID stories, checking on these different brackets, and I even joked with Tommy saying, why don't you guys get a spot on the ESPN ticker so that we'd be able to keep up with the scores throughout the day? Um, dude, this has been insane. We're down to now two dishes. What do we have? It's what? Uh, boiled it's, crawfish. It's over. It was over at 7.30 last night. Okay. But, and uh, and uh, boiled uh, crawfish was the winner? Dominant performance by boiled crawfish. Probably the most dominant uh, tournament performance in the history of any type of sports. I don't, I don't know – if they scored less than 69% in, in any of their games, I think the finals was, was the closest game. Let me pull up the exact bracket here so we could let our, our listeners understand the wonderful ride that Boiled Crawfish had. <laughs> Boiled Crawfish defeated Fried Green Tomatoes, which is ridiculous that Fried Green Tomatoes was even in the bracket, but that's another argument for another day. They defeated Rice and Gravy. They defeated Ragud Patat, which had a Cinderella ride for the ages. They had, let's see, the defeated uh, chicken and sausage gumbo, defeated fried. That was tough. That, was, that should have been their toughest matchup. See, to me, fried fish in the in the semifinals was the, was the tough one. They got by them, and then in the finals beat fried shrimp po' boy. The dynasty, which is boiled crawfish, lives on. They win the championship in the 2020 Better Call Bado Bracket Challenge. And look, I would tell Tommy to do it again but uh, next year, but we know boiled crawfish is going to defend their title easily. I, especially at this time. Yeah. At this time of the year. Now, listen, this was not without controversy. Uh, tell me a little rules. bit about that. I, I didn't get a chance to follow that, but I saw some coin flips and I saw some polls that were allegedly 50 50 that ended up not being 50. Like, tell me about all that backstory there. So, there was a. Um, I'm going to have to go back and, and, and look a little bit, do a little bit of research, and it won't take me very long to find this. But um, so the rules weren't very thought out. There was a lot of discussion on who to put um, and, and where to put teams and whatnot. So we, Tommy ended up making the NOLA bracket, the down the bio bracket, the Acadiana bracket, and then above the I-10 bracket. Well, so what happens if something ties? Do you know how how crazy it would be if somebody tied with the amount of votes that they had? I and mean, we would get, I say we, uh, I'm, I'm taking a little bit of credit on this, but <laughs> Tommy would have upwards to 500 votes per game, per you know, per bracket. How crazy would it be to have a tie, right? Mm-hmm. So the thought process was uh, one of our Rajon boss said, why don't you let Tommy's mom pick, you know, just whatever crazy stuff. And then we decided that it was going to be a coin flip. Mm-hmm. Well, previous to that, there was a matchup with um, Shrimp Boulettes, which is a big time favorite. <laughs> a big, big baby face <laughs> in the bracket, huh? Right. And Shrimp Boulettes was a 12 seed, defeated Banyas. Was that... I think the I think that's what it was. It was the shrimp boulettes and the Banya game in the first, the first, uh, the round, first round, yeah, twelve versus five. Um, yeah. Well, you couldn't in you couldn't start another round until that game was complete. So our our bracket master, Mister Tommy Botto, decided to end that early. So there was some very big, very big debate on that. Uh, a little a little uh, a little heat right there. And then when the the coin flip happened on the ties, that's what we decided the tiebreaker. Just so happened every time. That um, that the team won the tiebreaker, his the people that he had in the in the in the advancing in the tournament won the tiebreaker. 
So, mm. you know, it, it's a little shady. The first time, the first coin flip was off camera. The second two were on camera. Who knows what happened to the first one? Mm. Um, the second time, his kid got in the way of one of them. I mean, if, if we're talking Vegas odds here, Casey, somebody may or may not be having uh, a few fingers missing at this point. I'll say this about Mr. Botto is that I noticed that whenever at the, towards the end of the tournament, he would start to post pictures of the dishes. Some of them were in high rest. Some of them were taken with a cell phone. And I'll leave it at that. Listen, I've never seen uh, a roast beef po' boy with sesame seeds on the, on the <laughs> bun. And he openly admitted that he tanked the picture of the seafood gumbo just to just to not get the vote. So it was a little shady. But, I mean, what, what, you know, from, from that line of profession, I don't know what else you would expect. But nonetheless, no matter what happened through the entire bracket, you can't take away uh, the, the, the dream run that Crawfish had. Not a close game the entire the entire the entire tournament. It's the deep the most I call it the uh, the domination by the deep south crustacean. So if we had to play an eighty two game season, crawfish would be far better than seventy two and ten or seventy three and so, so, nine. So crawfish doesn't do well um, in the heat. So <laughs> I guess it's going to depend on, uh, <laughs> on kind of when 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 the games are played, and depending on when the crawfish season comes out. How in the heck did you guys come up with six, 68 different food items? I know, did, did Tommy do that on his own? How'd that come about? So we're, uh, a few of us are uh, are kind of gamblers. And obviously we played a, a little bit on some, some March Madness games. And Tommy's always looking to, Tommy does a great job marketing himself, which I'm not surprised I haven't grown up with a guy. Um, <laughs> what a backhanded <laughs> compliment that is. Uh so he started coming up. He said, man, look, I want to do this. He said, can you, you know, kind of help me out with some, some items or whatever. And you know, our group kind of goes kind of crazy and kind of started going and nobody really wanted to help him out with the seating. So, so, you know, if anything is messed up, it's going to be his fault. Uh, but it, it'll be our fault. Cause we didn't help him with the seating. Now I think the seating was in, ended up being pretty good. Oh, there yeah, was some couple, yeah. there was a couple, uh, additions at the end. Fried, fried green tomatoes kind of got thrown in there. Uh, I think, um, I tell you, you got the snub was was bald shrimp. I think could have competed. The, t- the selection committee decided not to put him in there. Were they on probation for this season? According to Tommy, that uh, they had a few uh, recruiting violations that may or may not have led to them not being in, in the in the in the field of sixty eight. Dude, some of the funnest things that I've done in the last several days was looking at this damn bracket, and and we were we were joking about this all the time about how. Take Gratons and Cracklins, for example. We were 12 seed, and we were making jokes. Oh, man, where they were a, they were a Power 5 team. Their stud was hurt all year long. They were 19 and 13 during the season. and That was fun, dude. Like, people are going to poke fun and say, oh, man, what, what are these guys doing? It, it was wonderful relief from all this madness that we've had going on in the world. I can tell you one of the first things that I posted about it was how overrated one of maybe bread pudding was. <laughs> right. And Jay, my buddy, Jay, my cousin, my buddy, Jay Trahan, uh, we were kind of going out. I said, man, I said, the dessert bread conference was kind of weak. I said, they, that's why they got such a low seat. <laughs> and this dude comes back with, do you realize who they played? You got the dessert bread conference and he starts listing beignets and bougie and all this. I'm like, dude, that's some work to put into that. Just coming back with that message. I'm like, you're right. You are right. They had a, they had a, they had a heck of a conference. We've got far too much time on our hands, but <laughs> boiled crawfish reign supreme. They went on a journey like no other. Uh, my friend, it's been a pleasure. We've spent an hour together. We hadn't talked in quite some time. Uh, we're going to look forward to doing this again very soon. 
hopefully the next time that we do it, we're going to be talking about leagues, making decisions to open up and start playing games. Uh, buddy, any final thoughts, man? Uh, okay, so I'm going to give myself a little plug before we kind of go. go uh, tomorrow I have been invited to a, a live, I don't know if they call it a podcast or or whatever, but it starts at 3 o'clock. I don't know when this is going to get posted or what we're doing with this this whole episode, but I'll get it out there before the road, three. Uh, New Orleans. So if you just search all over the road uh, out of New Orleans, it, it's four, three or four guys. Uh, Tommy's been on there to talk about this, uh, the, the bracket. And then uh, they, we, so our group kind of just took over the comment section. So I actually got invited because I called Tommy and I told that I told him that he was cheating. So we got to go in there and try to straighten <laughs> some of this out tomorrow at three o'clock. <laughs> well, we look forward to watching that. We look forward to hearing much more, man. I got to give you a lot of credit. We have now gone one hour, one minute, and ten seconds. You have not called me a baby face one time in the entire time that we've been doing this. I was expecting to take a bunch of heat, but I'm not taking a lick of heat. It's because I'm trying to be political here. I don't know where this is getting posted. I don't know if we're going viral with this. I'm trying to be nice. Well, I appreciate that very much, my friend. Look, we'll do this again soon, okay? Sounds good, Case. All right, well, look, we're going to sign off right here. This was uh, one more round coming at you. Everybody's been struggling and then not knowing what's going on in the world. Uh, we want to give you guys some relief, so we're going to sign off here. You guys uh, enjoy the show. Find us on Facebook, all that. We'll be back here soon, but we're going to sign up right here with this wonderful episode. We hope you enjoy Fight for what's right. Fight!